Hey, this is Joe Costello, and this is finally an episode of What Do You Know, Joe? This is our first one, and uh, as promised, this is going to be some, I guess, rapid-fire questions. I don't even <laughs> actually know. We're going to do this for the first time, and Joellen Verna here is going to help me, and uh, I'm going to let her take it over, and I'm just going to be the person that's going to do the answering. How's that for a change? So here we go with the first episode of What Do You Know, Joe? Hello, Joe. So as you had put out there to the world that you wanted to have some questions brought in, um, I know some people emailed you. And then in anticipation of this, I actually also reached out to a few other people and asked them some random questions that they might want to know. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. So I was just thinking off the bat when we were first talking about this with some of the people that I reached out to. As a drummer and an entrepreneur and a now a podcaster, um, music obviously has weaved its world through you, weaved its energy through your world. Um, and one of the things that I think surprised a lot of people is that you didn't spend countless hours sitting in your room listening to what is considered popular music and didn't know the lyrics to all those songs. So tell us, what were you listening to all those years as a young man growing up in New York? So I think it's funny, we were talking about this the other day with friends uh, out on the lake, and 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 me and this friend of mine who's a bass player was, like I used to listen to all of these songs. I couldn't wait to get home and and open these albums and, and listen to the bass parts of them. And, and I think the reason I sort of skipped that part in my life is a, and I'm not blaming her, but a, my mother thought, I think that rock and roll was, went hand in hand with drugs. And I think that playing Led Zeppelin in my house would have freaked her out. Um, and my father was a sax player and he ended up, um, getting through the army safely during the Korean War because he had the capabilities of playing an instrument. So he's part of the army band. And I grew up in the restaurant industry. And the bands that were there that, at night in the lounge were more of like top 40 and even jazz and a lot of Frank Sinatra type stuff. My father always had... Dean Martin and Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. So I grew up with a lot of that. So I, I guess it's safe to say that I skipped over a lot of that type of music that was happening during the time that I grew up. Unfortunately, if I could go back now, which I, I'm, I'm going to actually, I bought a bunch of, right? I bought a bunch of vinyl. So I'm going to go back and, and make up for lost time at some point once I get the, the actual record player. So that's the answer to that. Okay, interesting. And you actually have already stolen the thunder of some of the next questions. Oh, <laughs> so, sorry. That's how you roll. No, it's, I was thinking about science and how science has attributed a lot of memories um, are linked to music and vice versa. So I was going to ask you about some things and triggers that pop up. Um, and so you mentioned your dad. So let's talk about pops. What is a first a song or a genre or an artist that makes you think of your dad? Um, I, it would totally be Frank Sinatra, um, just because not only did we, not only did he play that music a lot and he would point out to me, you know, listen to his voice and, and, and his, how he would 
um, be really clear in the lyrics that he sang, but it would be music that I would hear in the restaurant all the time. Um, it would be the Nelson Riddle big band that did all the arrangements, and my father would talk about him playing in a big band. And uh, and then when Christmas rolled around, we'd we'd have every Frank Sinatra Christmas album. So it was. I think that's really the core. And as you know, when we have pasta night here, we play Frank Sinatra because that's what's supposed to happen. So I don't know. All right, makes sense. How about um, your mom? What did what role did she play, if any, or what did she like music? Did she have music on in the house? Any anything make you think of her? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think of her and relate music to her. Um, I She put up with me uh, to the point where, you know, we lived in a ranch-style house, and my brother and I shared one bedroom next to my sister's at one end of the house where all the bedrooms were, and then it went from the bedroom area to the living room area to the kitchen area to the sort of laundry room, utility room, garage at the far end of the house, and at one point, they took the one room and I think they extended onto the house, took the laundry facilities and put them into the extension part and then gave me my own room at that end of the house, which is basically my own wing uh, (laughs) so that I wouldn't disturb the rest of the family while I was either listening to music. Um, I'd even have band practice in my room with my friends or obviously playing my drums, which would drive everyone crazy. So, um, but she, to her credit, she would take me to gigs. I was playing at a young age, so she took me to gigs, um, and she would literally sit in the parking lot for three or four hours, depending on the gig, and read or nap. Or And at that point, there was no cell phones, right? So you had to bring a, a book or a newspaper or whatever, the magazines, uh, good housekeeping. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but she would literally... Man, God rest her soul. She would just she would do a lot for me, uh, even though she wasn't musical, and she, I don't picture her as someone that musically influenced me in any way, other than supporting me. So that's a huge that's a huge influence. That's a hu- yeah, that's a huge. Yeah, she can influence. Yes. by support. Yes. Um, okay, how about the college years? What about music? What, what oh. triggers any memories? We're we're, evolved, we're we're looking at what the soundtrack of your life might be. We'll ask you to give it a title in a minute. Again, <laughs> uh, yeah, again, going to college, um, it was a big deal. Uh, we it was a small New York State school, and it was a big deal that that school wa- had a student-run jazz ensemble, and we had like a lot of schools that had jazz ensembles. We had an A and a B band. Um, and to get in the A band, you obviously had to be the better player, better reader, all of this stuff. Uh, when I first got to the school, I was in the B band and I was, and while I was in the B band, you could, um, what do you call it? You could, uh, you could challenge the, the, anybody in the A band for their spot. And so if you challenge them, you would go in during a rehearsal of the A band and you would read down a chart that you knew you had to do previously, so you had time to rehearse it, but then you had to do a sight reading one. So they would throw a new one in front of you, and you had to do it, and both you and the drummer in that A band would get up and do it as well. So we're both sight reading, and we're both playing a chart that we previously were told to do. So there was a lot of jazz in college as well. 
because um, I was in the band. Uh, anytime we jammed, it just it was very much jazz, except for my vocal training, which was classical, which none of you will ever hear. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, and. 18 years, I've never heard it. Yeah, so no, you won't hear it. It doesn't happen. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so then I won't ask you necessarily to put a name to the, or a title to the soundtrack of your life, because I guess if you had to make one up, what would it be? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I played a lot of different styles of music, so I don't want it to sound like it's all jazz. I mean, in high school, we had a, a, a rock band. We did originals. We did covers. We played out. Um so we played a lot of different stuff. I just don't think I ever played the heavy rock stuff when I was young. And all of the money that I made at a young age was because I was already into playing jazz standards or top 40 standards, whatever those were. Instead of my friends, you know, long hair, drinking, smoking, whatever, I would be the guy that's sort of the straight laced out playing all of these cover songs, which at that time were, you know, these top 40 things that are way older than anybody would recognize these days. But that's what I did. Okay. We're going to switch from music after I ask you one more question. Okay. So when you do listen to music and you're in Pandora and Apple Music and all of those things, or we're sitting in the kitchen and you say, Alexa, play, what are your top three go-tos right now? Uh, definitely John Mayer is probably the one that I requested the most. Cool. We could probably look at the history of what Alexa has given us, but <laughs> I would say John Mayer is definitely one. Uh, Jamie Cullum is one that's really cool that I like because he's sort of a hip young crooner. Um, you know, he's like the new young Frank Sinatra, just the way uh, Harry Connick Jr. was when he came up. Um, man, who else? Well, I still listen. We right? We call out Tom Petty. Yeah. Uh, we call out Creedence. Clearwater Revival. Uh, we have tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers and the Eagles whenever those concerts happen again. So I'll call out those to just kind of refresh my brain about the songs. Boston, we love. Yeah. God, I, list, I mean, that was one that that was definitely a, a musical uh, group that I listened to heavily. In the, the days when I grew up, you could pretty much drive in while you're kind of intoxicated. So <laughs> coming back from the clubs, High school, I guess. Uh, we would just have the windows down, cranking that. We'd have jack-in-a-box wrappers <laughs> all over the front seat and the back. Who knows? So <laughs> that's the answer to that. All right. Awesome. Um, so now I have a random question. Okay. doesn't have to be music. It can be anything, anywhere. What are you not very good at? What am I not very good at? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, this was a solicited question. What am I, I won't not... tell you once to know the answer. Oh my gosh. What am I not very good at? I'm sure I'm not very good at a lot of things. Oh my gosh. Uh, patient. Being patient. How's that? That's probably, I don't know. That's that's a good one. I'm, I'm very much like, got to get it done, do this. I, I'm not patient with um, things. Uh, Man, not good at. I I don't I don't know. I'm sure there's a ton of things. So if patience is one of them, yeah. Is there ever been a time that your impatience has bitch in the ass, so to speak? Oh, I'm sure. God, is is this leading to something I should know? Um, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. 
you know, yeah. I, I like today we were, you know, tra- <laughs> we were figuring out the whole how to get a really great, you know, uh, separate track recording and. And I had one thing in my brain and I worked on that for, it feels like two hours. And then all of a sudden a light bulb went off because I was, I jumped so quickly into the first thing. And I was like, wait a second. I, you know, I have a 16 track <laughs> digital recording board. And the moment, you know, I plugged it in this first time we're recording with it, but we figured it out quickly and here we are. So yeah, I'm sure. And, and being impatient has caused me more hours than I can imagine. Well, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. So now what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Um, so I think my biggest failure for me is, um, at least one of them. There's multiple, as we know, (laughs) I, Unlike a lot of people, I have a fair amount of regrets in life. So we're going to get to them too. I'm sure. Um, I definitely one of the the biggest re- regrets, especially since I just uh, interviewed Nate Morton, uh, the drummer from The Voice. One of my biggest re- regrets was that I always wanted to go to Berkeley, and I don't th- I don't remember to be honest. I feel like it just wasn't in the cards financially for me to be able to go to that school. Um, but I bet you it was. I just it was probably some excuse that I made up or that was manufactured that didn't exist. But when listening to the interview with him and talking with him, knowing that that was a performance school, and I went to a state school that was very much more of classically trained musicians, um, and, and that's not putting blame on where I am today musically. That if I had gone to Berkeley, I would be you know, I would have fulfilled all my dreams and goals and aspirations and I'd be on tour with John Mayer. But I feel like choosing, you know, picking something and and going for it is important. And I think, like Nate said, his two biggest choices in his life were one, going to Berkeley and two, going to Los Angeles to go where the gigs were that he knew he wanted. And so I think making choices, um, towards what you really know in your heart and your soul are right, eliminate regrets later on. And so that would be one. And do you want another one or do you? I asked for your biggest failure and what you learned from it. So if you're failing, is the failure that you chose the wrong school? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think that I would have, I would have been in a better place at a performance school like Berkeley with the competition around, um, and and it was my choice. It was my ultimately my first choice, and I just I didn't do it. I ended up just going to a state school. So yeah, I would say that yes. Okay. Looking back, I think I would have been a lot further off in in the musical world by going to a school like that. Okay, so since you brought up regrets, I'm going to skip my next question. I'm going to move to. I know you have many, many, many regrets. <laughs> More than most people that I know, um, and nobody wants you to list them or give them a sum total. But if you could give anybody any advice or inspire somebody by helping them not make any decisions that they're super going to regret, 
what advice would that be? If, if I'm not like specifically naming anything, mm -hmm. I think... You can be, actually, you can be as specific or vague as you want. Hmm. Uh, I think that we all know the right answers. I think we're, we're born with that capability, right? It's an innate thing where the reason the term gut feeling is even used yeah. is because it actually does exist. And I think that if you are given a choice that whatever you immediately go to as what you feel is right and not overthink it will most of the time be the correct answer. So I th the regrets that I have were a lot of choices where I took outside feedback I overthought it too much. Um, I just didn't go with my gut. And I just think that's, you know, one of the most important things. It's something that I did recently where I felt like I had to cut back on doing everything, right? They always talk about um, the key to having success and getting more, uh, more things done and living a better life is saying no to things. And then when you say no to things, other things open up. Sometimes they're more important. They're more, um, I don't know, fruitful. They, they, you're, you feel more fulfilled in life. But if you're doing a bunch of things that you don't need to do, you don't want to do, you're just filling a calendar and you feel like it's just, you're keeping yourself busy. Um, it's important to kind of look, you know, you, you have to stop and pause and look and say, okay, like Nate said on, on the thing, what can I be doing right now? Like he used to have the mantra, what can I be doing right now to get a gig, right? That was one thing that he wrote. Or I think what is his whiteboard has something like, you know, wh what I'm doing right now, is that the best use of my time? And it's, it's kind of along the lines of that. You, you know when you're doing the right thing and when you're not. And again, it, it comes to down to a gut feeling type thing. So. Yeah, if we get into specifics about regrets, I can give you one. You want one or at least? Sure. Or I can give you, yeah, I, I'm going to get in trouble by saying these, um, but it's it's true. So I think my first regret was getting married. Um, I, I know when I was young, and it's funny because I, I think uh, we heard it the other day, your daughter, one of her friends said it, and she's like, I don't want kids. And I had, I know when I was younger, I, I don't think marriage or kids were something that I thought about. I don't know why, because I, I had great parents. They were loving. I, family was huge. We had these monster get-togethers. But for some reason, I just felt like, and maybe it was a career thing. Maybe I thought with marriage and kids come responsibilities that I'm not willing to take on. Um, so I think that's do i regret having kids now no ab absolutely not but I, I wish i hadn't gone the route of getting married uh it, it, it took me off track just all the reasons i didn't want it my heart in my heart and my soul i think it took me in the exact direction that i didn't want to go which was settling down having this responsibility a home car payments blah 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 then kids then all of that stuff so 
that would be one very distinct, you know, <laughs> marker of regret. Uh, the other one would be that that in I guess it was the late late twenties, early thirties when I grew up, having hair was really important. You so, you mean your twenties and thirties, not nineteen twenties and thirties? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not the, I know. Yeah, I know the the crow's feet are in there, but. Yeah, so um, in my late 20s, early 30s, hair was still, you know, the whole, and, and I'm, half the audience might know the name Telly Savalas and the other half will not, but, you know, he, he made being bald hip. Um, Charlton Heston, I think, right? He made being bald hip in, in whatever movie it was. Um, so I decided that I could not bear to have a bald spot or go bald. So I started, like a lot of people, a lot of men in, in that day and age when having a full head of hair was the way to be, you know, it made you look younger. And you think of all these remedies of putting foams and sprays and God only knows what you do <laughs> in your head. And I think the biggest regret for me now that I actually, you know, think my head is fairly round and not bad looking is that I decided to go get hair plugs. And in order to do that, there's this barbaric surgery that takes place and they slice the back of your head. And, and people that watch this and know me are gonna know that they I have these scars on the back of my head. I think I have two of them. And they literally slice into the back of your head and they take out a chunk of hair follicles and then they, under a microscope, separate them and then they plant them in other parts of your head and it's just absurd. So, How many times did you do, the, did you do that? Twice, I think, right? Because that's the two yes. scars. Yeah. So two different times I made stupid mistakes. So I regret that because I, I regret having a halfway decent looking head and having scars on the back of it so again it's a, a decision where that time i was super clouded by just um what is it not even ego what is it oh vain being vain about god i can't walk around the only guy without hair and i i don't know what i i was it took me forever to just shave it because i thought i was gonna look just really strange right you look great yeah. and yeah, everybody kept saying yeah that years. was a huge fight for years so that would be another huge regret is uh, going and having that surgery done and having these scars in the back of my head. So, All right. Well, knowing that you are a culmination of all of these decisions and your life is, are you good with where you are today? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm great. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Okay. So one of the other questions I didn't get to ask a little bit ago, but I'll go back to now is what is the greatest compliment you have ever received? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I think it's it's Sorry. it's sort of been recent where, and I and I alluded to it in a post on Instagram, where when you f when you know you're doing good, but you're not sure if it's being noticed, and whether it it's um, helping people or. Um, providing motivation or, or um, I don't know, just guidance. But when I interview other people on my own podcast, 
the fact that they say to me, you, you know, you're probably the hardest working person that I know. You're constantly hustling. Uh, you know, you're authentic. Uh, we feel like you're real and you're doing really great things for other people. So I, I don't know if it's, did you ask me if it was a compliment or greatest compliment? Yeah, or greatest something? compliment. Look at my notes. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I, I I would say it comes in a roundabout way. It's not like a direct, you know, all the time it's the same thing. Like, you know, I don't get you're the greatest drummer in the world. That would be a nice compliment. But that that. that but I get a lot of people thinking that I play really well and I, a lot better than my own brain tells me or that I feel that I'm playing. But. Sure. It's more important to me to be a well-rounded human being that people look up to, that that person has integrity and that person is helping other people. Um, and, and to me, that that's what makes me feel good. That's what, what's driving me in the direction of doing what I'm doing with, you know, Joe Costello Global and the podcast and the website and wanting to do some public speaking more and more and being on different panels and things like that. So I think I have enough of a life history and lessons learned that I can be helpful. So, so that's the, I enjoy when people think that what I'm doing is helpful. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Lighten it up a bit. <laughs> what is your most valued and treasured possession? Oh my gosh. I don't think I have, I'm not a, as you know, I'm not a possession person. I don't, I mean, I, I don't really, I can't think of anything. My, I mean, I love my drums. They can be replaced. I, I love my car. That can be, I, it just, I don't think that way. I don't think unless you're, you, what if we took your phone away? <laughs> no, yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a possession person. So I, I don't know. Okay. Sorry, it was a disappointing answer. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, what would you pick for your last meal? Ooh. <laughs> God, I don't know. Either uh, as much lobster as I could eat before I went into a coma or... Uh, spaghetti and meatballs or ravioli and meatballs, something like that. Those are probably the two. Would Frank Sinatra be playing if you were yes. eating ravioli? Yes. <laughs> probably even if I was eating a lobster, which just be a good way to go out. So. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. So I was just going to ask you a little bit about if you want to share anything about any upcoming guests that you might have or you're thinking about for the future, uh, maybe somebody you already have scheduled. And then the second part would be, if you could interview anybody, who would be sort of a dream guest that you would want on the show? Wow. Uh, well, there's a bunch of people that I follow, you know, their podcasts. Um, you know, I listen to their podcasts. I watch their videos. Some, you know, you, when you listen to these things, you weed out who you really think is authentic and doing it to better mankind or humankind or whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. 
and there's some people that are looking to sell their next course or their next whatever. So it's, it's difficult for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, as you know, mm-hmm. I know that you can take him in certain doses and probably I can too. Um, but I think there's an authentic value that he brings that I really like. I think the same thing for Tim Ferriss. Uh, you know, he there's a lot of sponsorship on his podcast, and at one point he got rid of it. And it was funny that his audience asked to have it come back because I think they depend on the fact that if he's going to endorse something, he's using it, and it's something that's part of his life, and they, they get the value of that from him. Uh, another podcaster person, Mike Dillard, who has – gone through all the trials and tribulations of owning different businesses and thinking this was his next thing and doing something and then it not working out and coming back. And, you know, he, he always bounces back and builds the next better business for himself. And I think he, he brings a lot of value. He has a lot of great guests, um, brings a lot of value. Just the fact that he doesn't even have any sponsors to his show, but the guests that he has on are amazing. Um, it'd be cool to interview someone like Elon Musk, even though he's just, you know, his mind is in a place that I don't know how I would, it would take me a long time to think of the interview questions for someone like that. Um, I kind of would like to stay away from musical guests just because, uh, like, you know, high end people because I, I don't know what I, I would get into this. It would, it would be too close to home for me, the musical thing. I like to, to, to interview movers and shakers and influential people and people that are just really doing things to change the world. Not that musicians aren't. There's, there's a, obviously, I would love to sit in a room with John Mayer or, or uh, Gavin DeGraw or, or Pink or what's her name? Um, the the one that was on that girl that we love. Oh, Lady Gaga. I mean, God, I would love to play with Lady Gaga. You know, she started doing some jazz stuff, and that was cool. So I don't know. It's really tough. I, um, yeah, I, I had someone else in mind, but I, I can't think of who it is right now. Okay, so if Tim Ferriss was in the chair across from you, tell me one question you would ask him. One question. Um, I guess I would ask him uh, if his approach to life now and the things that he, the reason he digs so deep into every subject that he takes interest in, does that help him keep his mind in a safe place where he doesn't think about his earlier years where he dealt with depression because you know he really i think it was in high school or early college something like that where he almost killed himself so to go from that state because i think it's valuable for other people that maybe suffer with depression to go from the state of almost wanting to kill yourself to being a hugely successful entrepreneur someone who invests in companies he has the like one of the the I don't know, he's probably in the top 10 
or I don't, I don't know where he ranks in podcasts, but it's listened to by millions and millions of people. Um, so I think it's interesting to find out how someone can pull their self, set themselves up by their own bootstraps to such a low and get to such a high uh, and being so successful. So what would be your question for Gary V? Gosh. Do you ever slow down? Yeah, it, was, it would be like, do you ever sleep? It's just like the amount of content that is, I, I don't know. I thought about today when I, when I went and I saw an Instagram post. And I'm like, I wonder who the first person is that gets to like one of his posts. Like, when do they go up? It's just the weirdest thing. It's just like you go up and there's 46,582 by the time you see it. And it looks like it just came out. It, you know, it shows he posted it. it it's just insane. So uh, I know he's just a content making machine and he's got a lot of people on the payroll that cut and splice all sorts of videos and photo shoots and interviews and things together. But it's just uh, amazing. Um, how he, he gets so much content done in so many different varieties. And you would think by now he would just coast not, and not coast in, in business sense. Cause you know, he's not that kind of person, but it would just coast on the content. And, but every day there's something new. There's like a new cartoon, a Gary V cartoon that he does, or there's a Gary V drawing that like someone's taking a photo of him and has pixelated into a drawing or all the things where he does where it almost looks like 3d where he's pointing down at the bio or the link below like it's super creative all the stuff that he does with content and so i just don't know when he sleeps <laughs> all right and i'm gonna wrap it up with one last question cool if you were sitting in my chair interviewing you What's one question you wish I had asked you? Um, I guess what does the future hold for Joe Costello? And I was saving that for next time. No, oh. I'm just kidding. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Go. I mean, because, you know, as you know, I have a, a current business that like all businesses were, you know, it was dramatically uh, affected by COVID-19. I own a, a booking management agency called Onstage Entertainment Group, and we book all forms of entertainment for corporate events, event planners, private parties, resorts, you name it. Everything from an instrumental guitarist to synchronized swimmers in a pool to uh, mentalist, magician, circus acts, all the way up to A-list entertainment. Um, and that was a, a really great melding of my business expertise, because this is what my fourth, maybe fifth business. Um, but this is the, a true marriage of my entrepreneurial spirit, my business acumen, and my knowledge of owning a business, you know, being in the restaurant business. So understanding front of house management, having entertainment. So being able to put musicians in resorts and understanding the flow of everything. 
And supporting live music. And yeah. Being, and being a musician. Yeah. Yourself. And and still, you know, finding some time to perform here and there. So that I like it because I feel like it was it's been helpful to the musical community, right? I mean, I, that's one of the compliments that I yeah. get. It's like you do so much for the community because I am allowed, you know, I can get so many um, entertainers working every year. Uh, so th that that part I like that I'm doing something that's helping put a roof over these musicians' heads and getting food on the table and and all of that stuff. I want to take that feeling of being helpful with Joe Costello Global and going a step beyond with, you know, my Instagram post and the podcast episodes and the videos and public speaking and sitting on panels and all of that stuff to share the, the knowledge that I've gained throughout the years and just being more of a an influencer, but doing it with real expertise and not just, you know, putting up quotes and things like that. Just trying to, you know, wanting to give practical knowledge to help someone. Maybe they hear one thing that helps them along the way, and you never know who that it's going to be. And that's what I was talking about earlier is that I don't know that these people are following my Facebook page or my LinkedIn profile or my Instagram post. And, but the fact that when I get to talk with them, either doing an episode on my own podcast or talking to them live, I, I, they say stuff like, wow, I saw what you did there. And I'm like, I have no idea that you're actually monitoring what I do or care what I'm doing. But it's cool when I find out that they really, they, they're watching it. And so it's, it, I don't know. That's, I want to continue more along the path of being helpful. So. I like it. Good. So, I like it too. So what do you know, Joe? When are you going to do one of these again? Uh, well, we need more questions, obviously. Uh, I think you have more questions, <laughs> but we. Yeah, there's, there's a list. Yeah, cool. So, but it would be great if you can send in any questions that you uh, would like to have answered. Anything you'd like to know about me? I think these what do you know Joes are, we've heard from enough people now that they want to know more about like the side of me, my life, things like sure. that. It just, it brings more, uh, more of an authentic um, approach to what I'm trying to do. And I'm all for that. You know, it's nice when you, you watch and hear other people who are out there doing things like this really tell you a real human story about something in their life. And that gives you a point of attachment to them saying, ah, that person's actually real. It's not this Hollywood facade of you don't know all the underlying things about them. So we want your questions. So send in your questions to hello at joecostelloglobal.com. Or if you want to DM me on my Instagram account, or you want to send a message in LinkedIn, or you want to send one on Facebook, um, I'll put in the show notes, all the links. Uh, actually, they're already in there. I don't have to do that because I have the links to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, all of that. So And the, and the YouTube channel where these videos uh, end up after we, we actually put up the episodes of the podcast. So... I would love your questions. Um, be easy on me. 
nothing too strange or weird or hard, but I'll do my best to answer as many of them or all of them that I can. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. It's so important to me that you've taken the time out to listen and potentially subscribe. If you have a moment, it would be great if you could share this podcast. I would also love it if you could rate it. And if you have time, it would be amazing to have a review by you. Once again, thanks so much for listening. I really, really appreciate having you here and being in your ears.